0: Well, Merry Christmas, friends! Merry Christmas. Glad you're here. Uh, apparently, it's gotten out that uh, I'm a sprayer, and this is the what, what zone's that called the splash zone. There we go. That's a splash zone right up here. No, it shouldn't be that bad, uh, friends. We believe in the Word of God that it is powerful, that it has the ability to change lives, to transform lives, and so. Today, I'm going to ask you in just a few moments to join me in a responsive reading. Uh, I'll have you respond with the bolded areas, and uh, I'm just going to ask you to really project it out, read it out. I, again, I believe there is power in the Word of God, and uh, the opportunity that we have to proclaim it is a good opportunity. It's an opportunity to hear the Word of God and to speak the Word of God. I love that. So without further ado, if you would stand with me as we read, I'll read the normal italics and I'll have you read the bolded and uh, we'll walk through it together just a little bit at a time. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth and when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold. and And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked. <clears throat> for he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has has brought brought down the mighty in their thrones. He He has filled the hungry with good things. And the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel. as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. And Mary remain. Let's pray. Lord, we love you, and we thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to come together, to celebrate you, to worship you. And even today, as we read your word, help us to respond in faith, recognizing that we can choose life or we could choose death. Lord, help us to choose life. Help us to follow you and to love you. Lord, as we look at your word today, as we consider uh, your word, help us to join, as even as Mary did, confirming your word, celebrating your word, and cooperating with your word. Lord, we need you. And we love you, we thank you, and we praise you, and we ask that you would be exalted. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Well, we started last week this series called The Unexpected Expected, and throughout it we saw Luke start to use language, imagery, that drew out certain themes throughout the scriptures. Themes of freedom, themes of promises fulfilled. And as we began to look at the scripture, it became obvious that there was a call for us, even today, to make some choices, to join in the activity of the scriptures, and to respond to the Lord. We recognize that even the early disciples, as they were training disciples, they brought them to this very point. There are two ways. One leads to death and one leads to life. And this is the way of life, they said. And so today we want to engage. We want to see what the Lord would have for us. We want to understand it in the context that it was given. And then from there, as we identify a variety of principles, we want to see how that might apply to us even today. Uh, As we see it lived out in the life of Mary, even in An infant, or even through an infant in his mother's womb, we'll see this lived out. And we'll see it in the words of Elizabeth as well. If you're not there, we want to encourage you to turn to Luke chapter 1, verse 39, is where we're picking this up, and that was where our reading was even today. As we follow through, this will be the flow of our time together. It'll be a confirmation of God's Word. Watch and see how Mary confirms God's Word. How John confirms God's Word. How Elizabeth confirms God's Word. And then we're going to move into the celebration of God's Word. How a natural flow of confirming what God has said leads us to a celebration of God. And then finally... We're going to look at a larger swath of the scriptures and see how cooperation with God's word is necessary to choose the way of life. We're in Luke chapter one. We're going to start in verse 39. If you're not there, go ahead and turn there and we'll pull it up on the screen. In those days, Mary arose. I'm going to stop there for a second. I want you to know, first of all, that I'm not going to stop every four words. So, uh, some of you started getting nervous immediately. I recognize that. Uh, but this is an important word for us to grab a hold of. Uh, the word arose, or at least that's how we translate it. Luke is the, one, the primary user of this word, and he uses it in Acts and in Luke. Uh, it's used throughout the New Testament, but he primarily uses it to refer to the resurrection, So there is a certain amount of life that is infused in this word that Luke wants us to get. Uh, Mary arose. It is with life that she goes out. There is an expectation of life associated with what she's doing. We don't want to miss that as we follow this narrative. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And you might ask, why is she doing this? Remember, last week as we read through the scripture, we saw that Gabriel came to her and told her what was about to happen. It's very likely that she's confirming that these things are indeed happening. You'll see as we go. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. The word leap there has the idea of joy. It's a natural response when you're in the presence of the Savior. you leap with joy. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Again, what she's saying is motivated, is directed because of the filling of the Holy Spirit in her life. She's about to say some things that would not be common to say to someone younger than yourself in that culture, but she does. Watch this. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me for behold, When the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy, and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the word. We have uh, kind of three areas that I want to address. You'll see that Mary rises up. You'll see that John jumps up and you'll see that Elizabeth speaks up in this section in a confirmation of the word of God. Mary rises up to confirm that that which was told to her is is true. It's different than doubting. Confirming is different than doubting. Lord, you said this, so actively I'm pursuing it. Actively I'm confirming that this is true. And that's indeed what Mary does as she gets up and goes to Elizabeth's home, to Zachariah and Elizabeth's home. She's confirming that what the angel spoke to her is true, that the very words of God that were spoken to her are actual. And it is not passive. It's an active sort of faith that she's living. And then you'll note that there's this baby in Elizabeth, John by name, leaps for joy. And that's a fulfillment of what the angel told Zechariah in verse 15. That this baby is going to have the Holy Spirit indwelling even in his mother's womb. And we see that as the Savior is in the presence of Elizabeth and this baby. John's response is uh, a response of obedience, of confirmation of what God has done. And Elizabeth's words speak that, that truth, that very truth. Mary rises up. John jumps up and elizabeth speaks up and all of this is in confirmation of the word of god so probably i'm not going to ask anybody to raise hands but probably none of us have had gabriel in our presence in the last 24 hours physically speaking to us so how do we confirm god's word how do we go about that well let me suggest that that is our responsibility is to confirm that god's word is true if you were a part of Core Discipleship, you'll recognize that there was an entire class dedicated to, to uh, the question, can I trust the Bible as God's word? Some of you were a part of Rick Allen's uh, Skeptic's Journey seminar last year. In April, he's going to do a class on this very thing, uh, apologetics. Can, can I trust this scripture as God's word? Well, indeed we can. I'm going to do a, a flyover, a 35,000-foot view of this very issue. Can we confirm God's Word? The answer is yes. Over 5,000 Greek New Testaments are available to us, fragments within a couple of decades of the, of the very writing of the Scriptures, all 5,000 within 200 years of the writing, 25,000, approximately 25,000 complete New Testaments and a variety of ancient languages within 200 years of the writing. Why would that be significant? Well, that, that's significant because it's in comparison to ancient literature. Uh, we don't have anything that's within that framework. Uh, in other words, the next closest um, uh, ancient literature that we have is 400 years after it occurred. 400 years is a long time. Not just that, but we also only have a few copies of it. A few copies of copies that are 400 years after the fact. Uh, That's problematic. So, just from the volume of Scripture that we have, within a small window that we have it in, we recognize that the Scriptures are consistent. But there is a distortion rate. That distortion rate is 0.2%. 0.2%. And you might be thinking, well, 0.2%, that that could be significant, except it's not. In most cases, it's a matter of words being flipped around. It has no significant theological impact, the distortion of 25,000 scriptures. Meaning that we can trust it, at least from a copy perspective. How about... Archaeologically, well, yeah, archaeologically, we have found that the scriptures or that the archaeological finds have actually confirmed what the scriptures say as a uh, an immediate example. We confirm through archaeology that the Romans actually did execute people by crucifixion, and sometimes even with nails, hanging them as opposed to tying them onto the cross onto crosses, not just that, but there's Archaeological evidence of uh, terms that were used. So, for example, Luke uses a term in Acts, the polytarch. And the term polytarch is not found anywhere else in literature. And there's some questions like, well, why are they using that term? Maybe Luke just didn't have any concept and he kind of made up the term. It's specifically Lucan in its uh, origin. But upon some archaeological research, there Uh, There was a find that actually used that term in the same way that Luke did. So there's archaeological evidence that things happened the way that Luke suggested. Not just that. But also, there are eyewitness accounts. Some of them are by the very authors that wrote the scriptures. Some of them refer to people that were alive during the writing of the scriptures. In other words, there were people that could have disproved it if it wasn't true. So there are eyewitness accounts. And all of those are weighty when trying to understand, can I trust these scriptures as the word of God? Can I confirm it? But I would suggest there are some others. And this this one is one of my favorites. And that's the fulfillment of prophecy. Uh, We see that the Old Testament speaks to some things that were going to happen in the New Testament. And indeed they do. Let me go through a few of those for you or some of those for you and we'll, we'll see if they've, that they've actually been confirmed. Here they are. The Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. The Messiah would be born a virgin. The Messiah would come from the line of Abraham. The Messiah would be a descendant of Isaac. He would be a descendant of Jacob. The Messiah would come from the tribe of Judah. The Messiah would be heir to King David's throne. The Messiah would be called Emmanuel. The Messiah would spend a season in Egypt. Children would be massacred at the Messiah's birthplace. A messenger would prepare the way for the Messiah. The Messiah would be rejected by his own people. The Messiah would be a prophet. The Messiah would be preceded by Elijah. The Messiah would be declared the son of God. The Messiah would be called a Nazarene. The Messiah would bring light to Galilee. The Messiah would speak in parables. The Messiah would speak to heal the brokenhearted. The Messiah would be a priest after Melchizedek order. The Messiah would be called king. The Messiah would be praised by little children. The Messiah would be betrayed. The the Messiah's betrayal money would be used to buy a potter's field. The Messiah would be silent before his accusers. The Messiah would be spat upon and struck. The Messiah would be hated without cause. The Messiah would be crucified with criminals. The Messiah would be given vinegar to drink. The Messiah's hands and feet would be pierced. The Messiah would be mocked and ridiculed. The Messiah would uh, would pray for his enemies. Soldiers would pierce the Messiah's side. The Messiah would be buried with the rich. The Messiah would resurrect from the dead. The Messiah would ascend to heaven. The Messiah would be seated at God's right hand and the Messiah would be a sacrifice for sin. Those are all prophecies that are fulfilled and confirmed in the life of Jesus Christ. And we can give the Lord praise for that. That's right. It's it's an interesting thing as we look at the scriptures and as it is confirmed, when we look at the word of God and it's confirmed with facts, we know that these things happened. Uh, we know that we can trust the word of God. There is a natural response and the natural response is celebration of God's word. It's an interesting thing. It happened in the first service too. That at the end of reading those prophecies, there were a few people who just started, they did it quietly because they weren't sure what kind of room, you know, they couldn't really read the room. They weren't sure. And, And then there were some people who just went ahead and clapped, and then other people looked around and said, oh, it is okay to clap, and then they clapped. And we did it in this room today, too. Why? Because that's a natural response. That's what our souls want to do when we're around the reality and the confirmation of God's Word. We want to celebrate God, and we see that Mary indeed does it. She does it by rightly pointing to God. In other words, you're going to see that Mary doesn't think that she's the focus. We'll talk about that in a moment. Although she is the recipient, but she sees herself rightly as well. Let's look at her song. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. Uh, for he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name, and his mercy Mary's song. Mary's song rightly points to God and puts God where God belongs, exalted. She begins with that phrase, my soul magnifies the Lord. Magnifies, makes him big. Everything in me just, God is so big. And I see him in, in, in light of how, how big he is, how amazing he is, how glorious he is. It's about God and celebrating him. I want to say this, that uh, we have an amazing staff at Friendship. I love our staff. I'm amazed at the unique gift sets that God has given us. Like could go down the line. Joel Farber is our worship pastor, and he exemplifies this. When we begin to talk about music that we're going to worship with, he is a very particular. And one of the things that he constantly comments on is this is, we're going to point to God. We're going to point to God, and we're going to identify that Jesus is our Savior. Those are things that we're, we're not giving up on. And if there are more I's and Me's than God and Him and He's, then uh, problem, we're probably not singing that song. I, I respect Joel for that. I appreciate Joel's heart in that. Uh, And he sees that lived out in scripture and he exemplifies that uh, in ministry. Mary rightly points to God. He's the focus. She doesn't begin with, well, finally, God sees it the way that it is. And God, you're welcome. I'm on your team. She doesn't do that, but rather focuses in towards him. She sees herself, how does she see herself? As humble, in my humble estate. In a culture where she perhaps would have been not just uh, looked down on, but also overlooked. She sees the fact, and that God, despite those things, God still cares for her. God still loves her, and she's amazed. Now, we're going to get into this in just a few moments, but one of the things that is important for us to identify is that Mary in her celebration is mixing a few passages? She's grabbing a hold of 1 Samuel chapter 2 with Hannah's prayer and how Hannah is thankful that she can have children after years of being barren. Uh, she's pulling in Psalms. And some of the comments about who the Savior is and how we're blessed for having children. She's identifying Proverbs and how we're blessed or how people rise up and call the mother blessed. She's working through some prophets as well. And uniquely, she's mixing them in her song. Mary has a celebration of God's word because she's confirmed that God's word is true that it's accurate, that it's trustworthy. You and I have a right response when we celebrate the Lord, when we confirm that God is indeed exactly who God says he is in his word. And so we see it with Mary, and it takes us doing those two things. One, identifying who God is, that he is high and exalted. and we're, we're not first-round draft picks, guys, <laughs> but yet God uses us. God loves us, and he calls us to himself. And so we're called also to cooperate with God's word. If you have your Bibles, uh, I want to point you to, just in front of this passage, I want to point you to uh, verse 38. This is Mary before Gabriel. She says this, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Let it be to me according to your word. Mary hears God's word to understand it. She hears it to understand it. That's significant. We're not reading it to debate it. We're not reading it to compare it to cultural issues or my political party or the one that I'm against. That's not the point. We're reading God's word to understand it. To understand it in its context eventually so that we can apply it but we want to understand it in its context I've shared this a few times in a couple of different settings so you maybe have heard this before one of our when one of our children uh, was born I was at the hospital and this is while I was at uh, in college I was at the hospital with Cindy and uh, our baby and our pastor showed up one of our pastors showed up well I assumed he showed up because why wouldn't he I just had a kid, and why else would you go to the hospital? But it turns out there was more reason to be there than just us. And so I said to him, "Uh, hey, what's going on? He said, or I'm sorry, I said, thank you for coming. And he said, oh, yeah, congratulations. But the way he said it made me think that there was more on his mind. I don't know if you've had those kind of situations. And I said, what's going on, pastor? And he said, well, uh, to be honest with you, uh, I'm here because someone took the Bible literally. And it caught me off guard. I was like, well, I, I take the Bible literally, so I'm not sure what you're referring to and why you're at the hospital because somebody took the Bible literally. And he said, well, you know that sometimes Scripture is poetic and sometimes hyperbole is used and Jesus does that. And I said, yeah, well, yeah, but we take the, the Bible literally. Yeah, as it applies literally, we do. Okay, okay, we're on the same page. And I said, so, so what are you talking about? And he said, well, Jesus says that if your right hand causes you to stumble, to cut it off. And this person took it literally without understanding the context of the scripture. And they removed their right hand. Wow. That's pretty heavy, friends. Uh, I was shocked. Why am I telling you that? I'm telling you that because sometimes we don't hear the word of God to understand the word of God. Now what this person did in an extreme example, we often do in, <clears throat> in other ways that are just as painful. Different, but just as painful. We wound one another spiritually. We hurt one another because of a lack of understanding. We misapply scripture sometimes. And in those places, instead of choosing life, we accidentally choose death because we didn't understand. We didn't stop. We didn't hear God's word to understand. For Mary, it was a decision that she had to make. Going, to this, going home, she didn't have a Bible, a book on the bookshelf that she could just open up and start reading, but rather she had to go to the synagogue. And going to the synagogue, they would get out scrolls, and they begin to read those scrolls. And as they read those scrolls, she would try to memorize it. And they would have classes sometimes, and they would try to memorize it. And they would memorize it, and start to speak it, start to understand it, to live it out. What I'm saying is that in her cultural situation, it was difficult to do what she did, and she did it. But we hear God's word first to understand and then we seek God's word to confirm. So I, w- I want to confirm, God, that, that, yeah, I can trust you. And when we're going through an emergency, I, I can trust that you actually are good. Because I've confirmed it throughout my life. I've seen it lived out in, the li- in my life and in the lives of the saints around me. I can trust it. Or how about those situations where we're deeply wounded or even offended by a loved one and And we come to that place of, should I forgive them? But we've been chewing on the word, and we might remember the Lord's prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Yep, in real time, I have a responsibility to forgive. As I forgive, I'm forgiven according to that prayer that Jesus tells his disciples to pray. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And in real time, I'm seeking God's word, one, to understand it, and then I'm living it out. And in real, in real time, I'm expressing that. Yep, I can trust God. Because I found out that when I forgive somebody, I'm actually released. <laughs> I, I'm living in freedom that I didn't have when I was holding on to that unforgiveness. Memorize God's Word to worship. As I've already stated and kind of let you in early, Mary has memorized God's Word in such a way that she is lacing Hannah's prayer with the Psalms and the Proverbs and Isaiah and Micah and uh, and is speaking this prayer in such a beautiful way. In a worshipful way because she's memorized God's Word and hidden God's word in her heart. Friends, you and I are in these type of places where we have to make decisions. We can passively go through things. Okay, yep, God, it's all going to work out the way you said, and that's that's great. We can be passive. But the examples that we have in Scripture, the good examples, are the active examples. Those that confirm that God's word actually is true. And that it It may cause us to rise up. It may cause us to jump up in joy. And it may cause us to speak up with our words. So it's actions, it's attitude, and it's words. It's cause us to celebrate. There will be a group of people who are characterized as uh, those who worship the Lord through celebration. Because we're close to the Lord. And we cooperate with God's word. In other words, we do what it says because we know we can trust it. The worship team's going to come out. And as they come out, we're going to prepare our hearts for communion. In preparation for communion today, I, I want to encourage you to engage just like we've discussed. To be willing to celebrate God as we indeed have confirmed God's word. To cooperate with God and to see what God will do. Communion is for the believer, We re- we get both the bread and the cup and return to our seat, but we do that after asking the Spirit of God to examine our own hearts. Is there any unconfessed sin? Have I, have I been doing something, living a certain way that, that is towards death and not towards life? And if so, that we repent, we confess that sin and we follow God, not just turn to a different sin, but we follow God. And in doing so, we also participate together. Here's how it works at Friendship. We'll ask you to pause before the Lord and just ask the Lord to examine your own heart. As you feel freedom in the Lord to do so, we encourage you to take the carpeted areas and go to the section that's nearest you, get both the cup and the bread, and return to your seat, and then we participate together. And so with that, let's pray. Lord God, we love you. And we praise you. We ask, O oh Lord, that you would be exalted and lifted up. We ask, O oh Lord, that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear, that even today, we trust your word, but we want to own it. And the way that we own it is confirming that it is actually exactly everything that you've called it to be your word. And Lord, as we discover, Your word and you in this place, we can celebrate you and worship you. And so today as we participate in communion with the cup and with the bread, we remember what you have done. It's in Jesus' name we pray.